Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Hey, we're back with our next, our first, really, Fruit of the Spirit. One of my kids' favorite songs right now is, L is for the way you You look look at me. me. Oh. It's for the only one I see. E is very, very extraordinary. I can't stop E is even more than a new one that you adore and love. Is all that they literally say, Mom? Or Graham goes, Mommy, play the love song. How play do the they love know song. that song? I played it one time because we love like dancing in our family room, and we normally dance like Spider-Man theme songs yeah. and stuff. But one time, Andrew and I were dancing, and they were like, Ah, they like loved it, and so we turned on that song just as like a ballroom, you know, yeah. type like whatever swinging yeah. around song, and they love it. So now oh. they're like, Play love, play love, and they all like to dance. We like spin in a circle. It's very cute. Well, I forgot the lyrics and said E instead of V. Yeah, you don't also even know how, how to spell, spell the word. But so. I, that is like one of my favorite songs because I love Parent Trap and I just think of them being on the Queen Elizabeth II where they like reconnect. It's so good. It's so good. Guys, if you were like had AirPods in or something or you were Ooh. listening to our voices really loud, we're so sorry, sorry for the cringiness to this, to this woman of what our voices just sounded like. Yes. But yes, guys, welcome to now technically like week one of mm-hmm. our Fruit of the Spirit series. We are super excited to dive in with you. And we are going through all of these aspects, the fruit of the spirit in order. So we're going to start out with love. And I think there's a purpose to that. So I was going to say there's a purpose in why we're starting. And I think there was a purpose in the way that he listed these out. I don't know so much about I'll have to dive into the rest of them. But for sure, I think there was purpose in why he started with love, because I think we see over and over in Scripture, everything Jesus did, God's choice to send Jesus to earth to be man and walk with us and reconcile on the cross for our sin was all from love. Like if you didn't have love, none of that would happen. And so, yes, he exemplifies all these other characteristics. But in in a way, I think you can boil everything down to doing it out of love. Yeah. I mean, there are tons and tons and tons of scriptures. I wish I actually would have looked up how many times is the word like love written in the Bible, because I would imagine it is like a ton that, I mean, we hear over and over again that one of the resources we're reading says love makes God visible for others. And I love that because that is true. And I think we kind of live in a cultural moment right now where everyone is like, love all, love others. And I just, again, take, I think it's so interesting because obviously, you know, as God created all people, like we are designed for love. We crave love. We desire loving relationships and that warmth and feeling of love. And so I just think it's interesting that like in God's design, if you believe in him or not, that like you are called and craving like this love because he is love. And it's such a good point. I think we'll end up seeing this with everyone that we study, but there's such a difference between the way that the world is defining all of these things now and the way that the Bible does. Because And we'll get into more of this at the end, but I think the world would describe love as this emotion and this feeling. And again, I don't want to skip so far ahead to this, but I feel like it's important to say it's so clear in scripture. There's multiple kinds of love when you get it from the Greek. It's Greek language, right? That comes out. Yeah. And this is agape love. And so it's actually so opposite of what the world would tell us love is. It's actually this self-sacrifice. And maybe the world would say, yeah, that's part of love, but it's more based on this feeling. And if if you're not feeling in love, 
you're not. And if you're not feeling loving your job, then quit it and get a new one. And if you're not feeling love for X, Y, and Z, then yeah, move on. And it's like, that is so fleeting when you view it as a feeling versus an action or a choice or just a way of life. And so I'm excited to break that down a little bit more. Yeah. So if you have read through Galatians, which we challenge you to do, if you missed our first episode, go back and listen just in our heart of why we're kind of studying all these fruit of the spirit. But even leading up to that, before we get this list of the fruit, we see tons of things about love. So in Galatians 5, 6, Paul talks about faith expressing itself through love, that these fruit are a part of that just expression. And it all starts with love, that Galatians 5, 13 talks about serving one another in love. And then obviously the greatest commandment love thy neighbor as thyself. Again, all of this circling around love that what we do as Christians, how we speak, how we act towards others all stems from first and foremost, just love and love that we receive from God that is then coming out in us because of us abiding with him. Yeah, I want to read that whole part about the greatest commandment. It's actually, I didn't know this. It's derived from, it's like quoted from scripture in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, So I want to read more of that context. It talks about a lawyer kind of asked, he was trying to test God, actually. He was kind of a teacher, Pharisee type. And he said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. One on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. I love that again from our intro episode, we were kind of talking about how he was speaking so much to a moral group of people that were just so teaching law, law, law. And he was saying like, basically none of that law matters if you're not first doing these two things. And so it's just good to get our hearts right in that position. And I love that it's even Jesus saying that because, I mean, we could go on for days and the examples of God, how Jesus loved other people on his time here on earth. And I just think that is so, I mean, obviously the best example that we can look at, that he loved people in words and in actions. He loved people who looked really different than him. He loved people that other people said like, oh my gosh, why are you spending time with them? He loved people that it was really inconvenient. He went way out of his way. I mean, and so I just think that's like the most beautiful example and one obviously we should all look towards that he himself is saying, no, first and foremost, love God and second, love others. And this is how you do that. And he showed us tons of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Not to kind of keep beating it down, but I, I love anytime we can add in scripture. And again, we could go through word, like so many places in the Bible, but I also like this. It's in John 14, 13, and he's kind of talking about that new commandment again. It's the same thing in different, a oh, different way to say it. So he's saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He doesn't talk about if you give a certain way, if you show up for church every Sunday a certain way, people know you. No, he's saying like, this is how people will know you love me. And it kind of begs the question. It's like, well, if we're not loving that way, what are they thinking of us? You know, again, I think we all know people that can be doing all the right things in life, but you look at their life and you're like, there is nothing enticing about the way you're living. There's something a little off because when we're just going about knowing God in a way that's a moralistic checklist, we're missing the point of it all. And I think he makes that clear here. 
Mm -hmm. And I love that, too, because he's going back to some more commentary off of the verses that Samantha just read, that God is our source of love and our model of love, that both John right there is saying that we like can love because God is love and he would do the same. But then we also should love because God is love and we should do the same. And so I love that because there's an action to that. And so in our first episode, we obviously talked about fruit of the spirit being aspects of ultimately God's character that are then fruit from our lives in abiding with him. But I think it's so interesting because some of these fruit that obviously we are called to just abiding and remaining with God and spending time with him. And that's how we receive this fruit. But also some of these like our actions as well, that we have a role and an active part to play also in loving others out of actions. It's not just this like passive sitting around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I think this could start to get a little spicy in my take of this, but we're talking about love being a verb. And it's actually interesting. So I looked up the worldly definition of love and it's first listed as a noun, which I think our world most commonly use it as a noun. And then secondly, it is listed as a verb. And I think if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, maybe you've heard people talk about love as an action. And I think that I will share some personal stories of maybe how this has been true in our life. And you can be brainstorming for your own life, too. I think that a lot of times love as an action does stir up affection in our heart and this feeling. But our culture wants to tell us that love, there's no choice to it, that it is just like it's a feeling and you follow it and you go with it and you have no control over it. And I'm here to say that I think the Bible teaches us it's exactly the opposite, that it is something that we work at and we have to obey and be obedient and take action. And like you were just saying, because If I went off of a love feeling every day with my husband, Justin, we would have been divorced the day after our honeymoon, maybe during our honeymoon. I don't know. We got in one fight on our honeymoon. Like there are times that I don't feel love to my husband, but we came in, thank God, with such an example from both of our parents and also an understanding that it's not always going to be this mushy gushy romantic feeling, but that it is a choice that we're making daily to choose one another again and again and again. And you know what happens when we get into that mindset? Affections are stirred back up. And I do feel that mushy gushy love and I feel so attracted to him. And I just think that's so evident in our culture that we're just riding the waves of these feelings. And where is that going to leave us? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You guys know I've talked about that I have a wedding planning business. And one of my favorite things that I get to do is talk to these new couples about like when I first meet a couple, I get to hear about their love story and just how they met. And one thing they always say, and one thing it's just been really strong in my heart, part of it just being that my husband and I like love marriage and are really passionate about marriage. But one of the things that I get to sit down and they'll talk about, well, like, I just love who they are. I love that always seems to like come up into the conversation. And I agree, like I love who my husband is, obviously. But I always try to like put it into that same conversation. I always come home and I talk to my husband about it too. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm always saying like, I love who you are today, but I'm also like committing to loving who you are in the future because I want to remind myself daily that love is not something that is this feeling. Like there are going to be plenty of days, there have already been plenty of days that I'm just like, I really don't love you today. I don't love that about you. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, that's gross. I don't like that. We don't love that. And so I always try to insert that into that conversation. And then I come home and I talk to my husband about it too because I'm like, I want to be refined in this way. I don't want to think that yeah, this is just going to be this like this steady emotion in my mind because I'm like, this is a choice every day that I get to wake up and I get to say like, how am I going to love you today? Because like God does the same for us. He looks at us and he loves us unconditionally, 
even though we sin and sin and sin again, and he has to teach us lessons over and over again, he says, no, I'm going to love you because like I have purpose for you and I have plans for you that are unconditional to how we maybe respond. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I was also, I'm just now thinking of this, so correct me if it's like wrong, I'm processing out loud, but I think another way that the culture views love and thinks through it is it's self-focused. So like when our world talks about love, it's like, what can I get from some kind of love, whatever it is, whether that's like loving a job, a career, a hobby, a person, whatever. Whereas actually the way we love is completely selfless. And we talked about, we see that over and over with Jesus. We see that ultimately in his act of love for dying on the cross. I mean, he did not want to do that. He asked God, he begged God, if there's any other way, please show me, please make that happen. Like, please come rescue me right now. But that was the most ultimate sacrifice, the biggest act of love that he could have ever done. And I think when we look at our life, there's so many times that the loving thing to do isn't what I want to do. It isn't what's easier, what feels right or good. But I know I feel called to that. And I also wanted to flip this around because there's a lot of times I'm not obedient in that. And I don't follow through with that out of my own selfishness. But the most times that I have felt love, I'm just thinking about this right now, I'm getting chills, is actually not some like romantic gesture or like cool birthday present or whatever. It's more the times that I've seen people show up in my life and be completely selfless and like do something that just makes you say like, like, I can't believe you did that for me. And that's where the world kind of looks at Christians, I think, and they're able to get a taste of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I love that you say that because I wanted to follow up as like the times that I have felt most loved and the times that I can say, wow, like that person loves me so much. They're so not flashy things. They are very like hard sometimes like really inconvenient, not fun things. If that's taking care of someone when they're sick or providing meals when it's like so inconvenient, like all of the ways. But you think about all of the examples of how Jesus loves people in the Bible. I like went through some of those and I'm like, he is always caring for someone. He's always like providing for them in some way. He's helping them. He's supporting them. And it costs him a lot. It costs him a lot. It is out of his way. And you know, so for us to say, like, how can I love others or how do, how am I understanding people's love for me in those ways that it is a sacrifice, that it's not an easy thing. It's not a, well, this is serving me, so I'll do it. It's not a, well, I'm going to post it on social media so other people think really good of me as well. It's not that at all. It's actually really consistent care and sacrifice for other people to benefit them or love on them well. And that's convicting to me. Yeah. And it also makes me think that we're probably not doing a great job of recognizing the way that people are loving us well in that. I mean, I think marriage is easy to pick apart a lot of those examples. So I'm trying to steer away from that right now. I even think about friendship. It's like, there's a lot of friends that I have who have done like really cool outward gestures for me. And of course I feel loved, but it's the like quiet, random, texting me, seeing me when I'm struggling, showing up for me when it like doesn't make sense in their life at all picking something out of me in my life and like building that up in me that when I reflect over what has made me feel the most love, like you just said, those are the times where it's almost this like unfathomable emotion where it's not this giddiness that lasts for an hour and then fades when you're stressed about the next thing in life. It's like this thing that carries with you. And I think we have to start viewing a lot of these things. You know, I was thinking about when we were recording our intro episode, how a lot of these 
adjectives about someone's personality or, you know, we said their characteristics of God, but the self-control, this peace, this love, whatever, they all could have really high moral, like you can see them a lot in our culture that don't relate to the Bible. So like I know a lot of people who don't know Jesus who are very self-controlled and they maybe are people that are really patient or I know a few couples that I'm like, you guys are such good people, like morally good or just like genuinely like love on people really well. And there is this difference though of like the way that the world describes all of these things and the way the Bible is saying, no, this is what it looks like. And I just think that's really important for us to remember because we're so easily lost in that. Mm -hmm. Well, and the loved one's convicting for me too, because even, I mean, even this morning as we're talking about some things that I think it's so easy in our world. I mean, again, I'm saying this even as I'm like, oh gosh, there's tension in this though, because some of these like boundaries are good, quote unquote boundary, like all the things, but I'm like, you know, our world teaches this like I think about how people love me or how I'm loving other people. And I think, gosh, like that's really hard. Or like, I'm having a really hard time with that person right now, or that person's really frustrating me right now, or that person thinks really differently than I do right now. And I think of all of those excuses almost of reasons like not to love them, but I'm like, I'm called to love them. I'm called to like go out of my way. I'm called to, again, make a sacrifice, do something like radical that like the world would be like, no, but that person just hurt you. Why are you doing that? Or I mean, again, yeah, I'm thinking of a billion examples in marriage, but I'm like, no, but I'm called into saying like, no, I'm going to put that aside because first and foremost, I'm going to love them. And that can be in our words. That can be how we talk about someone. That can be how we, you know, don't gossip and don't bring pride into emotion. That can be like physically how we talk about this person with other people or how we choose like what we say and what we don't say. But then that can also be actions. Like how am I treating them physically? I don't know. I'm thinking of all the examples. And I'm like, I obviously am processing this still myself and convicted of that even now of like, how do I actually go out of my way? We can all think of ways it's easy to love people who we like. It's easy to like be like, oh, I love that friend. I want to bring them coffee. I want to show that I'm thinking of them because I know they have a hard day coming up. That's really easy for me to do. I can easily text my bestie and be like, hey, I'm praying for you today. You're an awesome mom. I hope that this like doctor's appointment goes really well. I'm going to be thinking of you. I can't wait to hear the follow-up. I can easily do that. That feels super loving to her. But I'm like, I think the more like hard and convicting thing is like, how am I doing that for people who like actually don't agree with how they're living? Or I actually think how they responded to that was like really insane. And I'm like, ooh, shoot, like, I don't really like that. I think that's what's convicting to me. And first and foremost, am I turning to the source of love? Am I like sitting down and praying for them? And am I sitting down and saying like, God, like transform my heart and mind to love this person because right now I'm finding it really hard. Oh my gosh. I'm so convicted over that right now. We talk about, oh my gosh, I'm thinking of scripture where God talks about loving your enemies and praying for them. And that can sound really easy, but in my life, I'll share just personal story. And if you're a friend of mine thinking it's you, it's not, don't like, it's not you. Just tell yourself it's not you. It's me, guys. It's, it's me. Christian. <laughs> um, there has been someone in my life for years that I just recognize like this person will be in my life for years, a friend of mine. They're same like kind of social group. Promise you it's not you if you're thinking it's you. Just put that in your head. But this person was really hard for me for a long time, like just hard for me to love. I have some reasons why I won't go into that. And it was all my own sin. It was, I would say it was like 90% my own sin. Maybe the other person had something to do with it, but it, it was just a really hard person for me to be around. But I knew that this person, I would be around for years. There was no out of it. And I felt so convicted every time I would try to just say, well, like, I'm just not going to care. Or I'm going to distance or I'm not whatever. I would feel convicted. I knew God was calling me into relationship with this person I really actually didn't like. And 
I, for about, I'm not exaggerating, two years, had to battle with this. So that that looked like every time I was going to see this person, like me praying through how I could love them, asking God to help me love them. And I was starting to get really annoyed with God because I'm like, hey, I'm trying to be obedient in what you're asking me to do. I'm not seeing any, quote unquote, fruit from this. I'm not seeing this relationship getting any easier. This person clearly still does not like me. So I say the 90% on their end, they were probably like 100%. I don't like this girl. Like I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I can, Christian's laughing. I'm like, that's fine. You don't have to like me, but like we're in relationship together. So we have to figure something out. But I was like, you know what? Even if this person always hates me, for some reason, I'm feeling called to love them. So I was getting angry with God, kept praying about it. Like, why are you not making us like magically best friends or something? So then I just kind of let go of it. And I was like, well, I'm just going to continue. It might be the rest of my life that I need to be obedient and loving this person. Guys, it is so cool to see how God has softened my heart and grown. I'm going to get emotional about this person. Why am I getting emotional? has grown my affection for this person and has made me see someone in such a different way and has taught me so much about how I could see other people who maybe live similarly to that person. It has showed me a glimpse of just a totally different way that God would love on someone who's really, really difficult. And this person has actually grown a ton. And anyways, I wish I could give more detail, but I just want to say like, It has been so cool to see God being faithful and saying, I hate to be bragging myself that I stayed committed. It wasn't that. It was like actually years of me going through and even friends having to be like, you need to love that person. You need to like reminding me of that too. I didn't do it well at all, especially in the beginning. But it's just cool to see like, no, there's a reason he tells us to love our enemies. He wants to do something with that. Sorry, I've been going on and on. No, but I think that's so good because I wanted to like kind of wrap up this conversation because I know we're all listening to this, like thinking of those people who were like, oh yeah, I do this really well in this area. Like I love that person really well. And then we're thinking of the people like, oh man, like I need to work on loving that person. But I think it's so good in your story because I want to remind us like this fruit is something that, yeah, we're called not to boast in ourselves. We are not boasting. Even when I hear you telling the story, you're not boasting in like what you did. You're boasting in what God has done through you. And I think when we talk about fruit of the spirit, we are asking all, like we're asking ourselves and we're asking all of you all, we need to be people. We need to be Christians who take like recon of our lives. Like, am I abiding with Christ that these are fruit of my spirit? Like, are these fruit that are coming out of me, like exploding out of me because of my relationship with Jesus? Because like, we should be able to say that. You should be able to say, well, God, like, thank you for reconciling and redeeming this relationship that I really was not wanting. Like, I didn't want to do, but it's only through him. So that's where I put us back to What does it actually practically look like to love people who we don't like, (laughs) to love people who we think is really different? Well, I think that looks like when you are annoyed with how someone's talking about an issue that maybe you drastically disagree with, you sit there and instead of judging, instead of being like, wow, you're so dumb, like you're not even thinking through that well, you say, oh, God, like, please soften my heart to see like that they have a different perspective than I do. And Lord, like, do I have anything to learn from what they're saying? Or maybe it's when you see something that you're, you disagree with that you say, like, instead of going to pride, we feel really saddened. And we are, Lord, like, please transform their lives. Please allow them to, like, have an encounter with you or please equip me to be that encounter for you for them. And so I think it's like we need to be really quick to ask for God's help in displaying these fruit because like we cannot do it on our own. And I think that's the whole point of it is like these fruit only come in abiding and remaining with Jesus. And if we're not doing that, we're not going to have them. 
And if we feel like, hey, there are red flags in my life, we're like, gosh, I really need to work on love because I think that's ultimately like this is how we're thinking about these things. Like, oh, gosh, I'm not a good love is not being displayed in my life. Well, then, like, what are you thinking? and What are you doing with that? Because I think that's really where we all need to be challenged. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.